All right, you're listening to the IEI Podcast. I'm Dan Zentek. Joining me today, I have Stephen Johnson, uh, and he has joined us to let us know some updates happening with OSAC and to get everybody on the same page. Stephen, thank you for joining us, and uh, tell us what we got going on. Okay, Dan, first and foremost, thanks for the opportunity to share with you and your audience uh, what we're trying to accomplish uh, with OSAC. And for those that may not know, OSAC stands for the Organization of Scientific Area Committees for the Forensic Sciences. It was uh, an entity created through uh, the Department of Commerce uh, and subcommitted to through the National Institute of Standards and Technology, otherwise known as LITNIST. Uh, I know it's become an acronym soup here, but the important thing is uh, what used to be a standards development effort through the scientific working groups that represented a, a number of forensic science disciplines is now under one umbrella that was created through OSAC. So OSAC has seven scientific area committees that represent 22 different forensic science disciplines. Uh, what OSAC tried to accomplish with the initial outreach was to contact those 409 recognized full-service laboratory facilities to see if they were engaged in implementation or partial implement, implementation of uh, standards that were vetted through the OSAC leadership and placed on what is called the OSAC registry. So for, for us, they're sort of old school, the, the old Swig stain and Swig, are, are those gone now? This is, this has replaced that? Well, to a certain degree, that's true. Uh, Dan, there are three Swigs that are still operational. Swig DE, uh, the Swig uh, for digital evidence, uh, FISWIG, the facial identification uh, scientific working group, and then Swig Dam, who uh, represents the uh, dig or the DNA uh, arena. Okay. I think Swig Drug may also still be operational, but none of those, uh, with the exception of Swig Dam, the DNA Swig, are funded uh, by the government. Uh, those that are still in operation are self-funded. Who's part of this? Who? How do they uh, decide who's on these different disciplines and? Uh, setting the standard? How do we get to the standards? Who's making those decisions? Well, it's a pretty simple process. And um, if you just Google NIST OSAC, N-I-S-T-O, you know, space O-S-A-C, it'll take you to the NIST OSAC webpage. Uh, on that webpage, on the left-hand side of the uh, screen, you'll see a OSAC registry. If you click on that link, it'll take you to all the current disciplines and by discipline, all the standards that are currently on the registry that apply to that discipline, either uh, full standards or proposed standards that have been vetted through the OSAC implementation vetting process. Now, is there a way for a user, like they see something that uh, they can, I guess, express their opinion or that they can be part of the process or suggestive in some way? So there's a number of ways to get involved with OSAC, uh, either as a uh, practitioner or as just in the general public. Uh, all these registries require some element of public comment, so we encourage people to uh, engage in the uh, public comment period. Uh, there is a link on the NIST OSAC webpage that says Standards Open for Comment. It'll list all those standards that are proposed and open for comment that people can review if they apply to them. And even if they don't, we're looking for a broad cross-section of, uh, of stakeholders to review these, these standards. 
Also, we encourage people that are practitioners or even interested as a stakeholder in the forensic sciences to consider applying for OSAC. When OSAC was formed in 2014, it was designed to uh, support all these subcommittees with individuals that could serve two consecutive three-year terms. Well, as you know, the math is simple. We are well past that six-year period when consecutive three-year terms have expired. So uh, we're always looking to replace uh, individuals on uh, those various subcommittees with new blood. And uh, that happens every year at the end of the fiscal year, which would be September 30th. Um, so that's another way. There's an apply to join OSAC link on the website that makes it very easy to uh, submit your application. You do have to jump through a few hoops on why you're qualified and why you're interested in perform or uh, joining the organization. That you yeah, have. It's been uh, around since 2014. So we're coming up on, uh, I guess we're on nine years now. Uh, obviously, when any anything starts, uh, you go through some some changes and challenges and, and whatnot. So in the growth over the nine years, and I guess more recently, so what are some standards or changes that are currently happening and what are we looking at for uh, future horizon stuff? We have roughly 148 forensic science standards on the, uh, on the uh, registry right now. Um, considering we only had three after three years of existence, that's a considerable uh, increase in the number of standards that are being uh, uh, embedded and uh, placed on the registry. So that process will continue. Those standards will continue to be increased. They will have to be reviewed as they reach a five-year, generally speaking, it's a five-year period when standards have to be reviewed and assessed once they've been implemented. So that's going to be an ongoing and continuous process. The other thing that OSAC recognized uh, after they realigned themselves in 2020 was the number of forensic science practitioners that fall outside the traditional laboratory environment. So there's over 40,000, if you can imagine that, over 40,000 forensic science practitioners that could be uh, could benefit from implementing these standards. So my job with OSAC is to reach out to that non-traditional forensic science service provider um, customer and to get them informed about how the standards can uh, benefit them, how to go through the process of being recognized as an implementer, and encourage them to do that. So, so what would that process be? So, obviously, we're not talking about uh, a state lab, uh, you know, large labs that, that fall under so many different scientific uh, qualification standards and otherwise. Uh, I guess we're talking about some, some smaller uh, type of entities. Yeah. So what would be the process? What's the first step of someone interested in learning about that? Well, on the uh, NIST OSAC website, there is a registry implement implementation link, and it'll, again, take you to the registry and also to what we call an implementation survey that we did. Uh, finally, there's a uh, implementation de declaration form that can be made available to anybody interested so they've gone, let's assume the uh, the smaller non-traditional forensic science service provider has gone to the website and said, yeah, we're using that standard, we're using this standard. You only have to use one to be eligible for implementation. 
if they reached out to us at uh, NIST OSAC, we could provide them with a declaration form that will allow them to go down the list of all the currently available standards and check the box that they are utilizing or plan to or partially utilizing that standard. If the standard or the discipline doesn't apply to them, there's a box that they can check does not apply. So it's a pretty straightforward process to provide OSAC with the information regarding their their status as a potential implementer of standards. Um, as it turns out, we're in the midst of trying to revamp the whole implementation process to make it even easier for non-traditional and traditional labs to uh, indicate their status as an implementing body. Uh, that is in uh, the midst of some uh, meetings that are going on right now. And in fact, tomorrow we're meeting with a group of over 60 yeah. labs and forensic science service providers that have already decided to implement and trying to get some feedback from them on how we can make this an easier process. So if uh, after they've done that, is there a site visit or their policies to send in? What's the next step on that? Really good question, Dan. We want to emphasize two things. We are not a standards publishing organization. We just list the standards that are out there and have been approved, nor are we the standards police. We're not a standards uh, accrediting body. We are just encouraging forensic science service providers to start utilizing standards that are available to them. So there's no site visit. We're taking people that want to be acknowledged as an implementer at their word that they're utilizing the standards that apply to them. It's very straightforward. So after uh, after you've completed all of that, uh, is there some type of recognition that's received or is there follow-up that has to be done? Yes. Well, recognition for sure. What we will do is we will send anybody who meets the criteria and, and is implementing or has proposed implementation or partially implemented any of the standards, they will get a, a certificate as an OSAC implementer. It's, it's just an acknowledgement from OSAC that we recognize your willingness to participate in the process. Also, we're willing to provide anybody who wants to make this a public declaration opportunities to create a, uh, a press release of some kind that would give them the recognition for this effort. Several over 50 of the currently implementing uh, agencies and laboratories have declared publicly through a press release that they're part of the OSAC implementation process. With the certifications and, and sites and those type of things, what do you think the next step uh, for OSAC is? I guess what, obviously the, the purpose behind creating it was to create a standard across the board in forensics. So where do you see the next uh, challenges, I guess, for it? Well, we're certainly hopeful that some of the disciplines that are less well-known or struggling to get their feet under the ground regarding creation of standards, we're certainly hoping that we can get them further along in the process. There are some of the smaller, less populated from a practitioner perspective disciplines that we're trying to work with. Um, continuing to reach out not only within the U.S., uh, but around the world uh, on how valuable standards implementation can be. Uh, in my many travels, I'm amazed at how many people outside the U.S. are aware of what OSAC's trying to accomplish and have included that in some of their uh, information that they're sharing. I, I, I was presenting in Colombia last October, and I, 
Uh, a, pre a, a presenter prior to me had an OSAC slide up on his deck, which I thought was pretty interesting. We've actually uh, received uh, implementation declarations from, uh, I believe, four international organizations, either academic or laboratory organizations. So that's encouraging because they're under no obligation. This is a U.S. entity funded by uh, United States tax dollars. So the voting members on OSAC are all U.S. citizens. But we encourage participation from people around the world. Many of the OSAC subcommittees include members from uh, the international community. So speaking of the international community, we certainly uh, want to mention that we have the International Association for Identification Conference coming up. So that is going to be happening in August. And uh, so obviously there's going to be uh, many presentations and other things to learn about OSAC. So uh, what is OSAC, uh, I guess, bringing to the conference? What can our members expect to find there related to OSAC? Sure. Uh, we will be at OSAC. We will have a booth at OSAC and provide information to anybody that comes into the exhibit hall that might be interested in what's going on. Uh, we'll also be presenting uh, in a couple of sessions on the status of the OSAC enterprise to include some of the leadership in the disciplines that best apply to the members of the II. Uh, the II, as an all-encompassing uh, all as it is, as a forensics practitioner body, certainly doesn't represent 22 different disciplines. So we will be focusing our outreach on those disciplines that are, generally speaking, part of the II membership. So speaking of, we have uh, tons of workshops coming up. I think uh, we still have a little bit of time for, I think it's the poster uh, competition, the photo competition. Uh, certainly go on the II website to check those out. Uh, it's always a, a fun time looking at all the posters and the photos uh, that are there. And make sure you sign up for your workshops. Those uh, fill up very quickly. Uh, but we're looking forward to many of the presentations. Certainly OSAC has done a great job as far as uh, sort of putting the standards out there for us to follow and the best practices and such. Uh, Stephen, I know you've done an amazing job uh, sharing that information uh, around the globe. Uh, like I said, you travel all the time. I'll, I always follow you on your social media and, and see you pop up and uh, country here, country there. So uh, I just, I, I live through you. I haven't left the U.S. Uh, in a while. So uh, I appreciate all your travels and all that you do. And I appreciate uh, your time and sharing the information. Stephen will be at the II conference. Uh, he loves to talk about. He will be around. Uh, he is uh just a great person to get information from. So if you go to the IA, you definitely want to uh, meet up with Stephen and, and let him share all the information that he has about OSAC. So Stephen, thank you so much for uh, joining us today and uh, helping us with this. Uh, thank you, Dan. I think you're right. This coming IAI in uh, National Harbor this August is going to be a huge event. And I encourage anybody listening to this uh, webcast to get in and register as soon as possible. Thanks for your time, Dan.